Asia Tech Podcast with Graham Brown and Michael Waits. Michael Waits. Michael Waits. Michael Waits. Michael Waits. Hello, everybody. This is Asia Tech Podcast with a weekly update on what's going on in the Asian tech ecosystem. My name is Graham Brown, joined as ever in the studio by Michael Waits. Michael, how are you doing? Graham, I'm doing super. I'm actually doing really super. How are you doing today? Fantastic. We've had such a busy week. <laughs> Wow. This week has been insane, right? I mean, we've learned yeah. a lot, we've done a lot, and it's really been insane. Where, where, do you, where do you want to start? Start with the insanity. Yeah, let's start with voting. Yeah. So last week when we talked about the Asia Tech Podcast Awards and the six categories that we had, you know, we kind of went through and let's just say for the number of – we have six categories, right? So who as an individual is giving the best contribution – to the Asia Tech scene, who's yeah. the best startup city? Where's the best startup city? What's the best VC fund? Right, we didn't have many names there. What's the best startup event? Right, do I think we had five people on the list last week? Yeah. And what's the best co-working space? And what's the best startup media? Yeah. yeah. And so six categories where we think kind of includes every little piece of the tech startup ecosystem. And let's just go back in order and look at this again. So the first category is the contribution to the Asian startup ecosystem by an individual. And we have 30 people. And the competition, it's got to be more. I mean, we can count them if you... Yeah, but more than 30 people. I think last week we had 10, right? I don't remember the exact numbers, and we should maybe keep track of this now. But the list is just never-ending, and people continuously are getting nominated, which is good. And look, some of the names we've heard of, right? Casey Lau, Bay McLaughlin... Ashley Galina, Duda Aronok, and William Baubin, and some of them we haven't heard of, but we're learning stuff too, yeah. which is really great, right? So Andrew Liu from Quick Start, we haven't heard of. Kenny Thing. Thio. Kenny Thing, Kenny Thing, he's a thing. I mean, he it's a, a thing, thing, right? He's Happen- a thing. Kenny Thing is a thing. I think we should get him on the show. Yeah, yeah, we should get them all on the show. Yeah, but fair enough. But the, it's you're getting a lot of bunching up at the top right now, yeah. and it's good, right? Because clearly, what this is telling us is that. From an individual standpoint, there are a lot of people, and a lot of people, and a lot of them still even aren't on this list, but there are a lot of people sort of executing in the trenches every single day, just keeping their head down, their noses to the grindstone, men and women across the region, and there hasn't really been time to recognize them. Yeah. And if nothing else, this is giving recognition to the people that are out there, you know, whether it's Zoe Lai, Jeffrey Hanley, Bay McGlaw, all these people... Hmm. Um, you know, men and women across the board. Is know, it an Asian race. thing? I mean, you know, is this a, a challenge particular to Asia in that there's a lot of people doing this stuff, but they're not getting recognition? I think so. I think there is, you know, because if I said to you, well, you know, to be fair, it's a good question, actually, now that I rethink this, right? So there are 10 people in the United States or in Europe that you've heard of, mm. right? I mean, how many more times do you have to hear about Elon Musk and Peter Thiel and, you know, Jeff Bezos, you know, and Mark Andreessen, and yet... There are hundreds of other people, you know, toiling every single day that you haven't heard of, and maybe those people need a voice, right? And that isn't that really the whole point for yeah. the Asia Tech Podcast stories anyway, yeah. is to just give a platform for these people to have a voice. And in that sense, um, I think this is starting to work. These, you know, this recognition and these ATP awards is starting to work in the sense that people that you may not have heard of, when I say you, I mean the general you, right, um, ha- maybe not have heard their names and don't understand what they're doing every day, don't understand like how deep those trenches are in which these people are operating. Um, and we're giving them that, that view. We're giving them that platform to be able 
you know, to see who these people are. If nothing else, get their names out there. And I think that's really important. Yeah, and there's a real wide set of people involved, isn't it? I mean, we have, for example, people who run accelerators like William Balbean. We have yeah. people who run what I would call a startup platform, which offers some kind of services to startups like Andrew Liu. We have people running yep. events like Casey Lau, a hardware accelerator like Bay McLaughlin, uh, Kenny Thing, who has moved from it, from our research, tells us moved from a traditional insurance company to a startup company. So he, he's actually a startup himself. So, yeah. you know, there's lots of different angles here, isn't there? It's not just, okay, we are celebrating people who are the best startup founders or the people who are the best investors. We're celebrating everybody who's contributing to the ecosystem and they all kind of contribute in their own different way. So I think yeah, that's kind fair, of a key part of it, right? It's really key. And to be fair, we seeded the list, you know, without voting up for them, but we seeded the list with people that we knew or that most people had heard of. And yet people out there looked at this list and said, hey, you forgot about this lady and you forgot about this man yeah. and you didn't understand the impact that Helen Bowie has on people or, you know, you overestimated the impact of some other people. And it's just great to see not just here, but you see people on Facebook and on Twitter actually talking about this as well. And that's really fulfilling, I think, because the whole point of this, particularly from the people standpoint, we'll talk about the other categories as well, is that, again, it gives people a platform to, you know, like Rena Neo or Mercatus Capital. We'll yeah. talk to her as well. But getting the name out there so people understand how hard they're working. In other words, if you're working so hard that you can't even, not even promote yourself, but that people don't understand how deep that trench is in which you're operating, I think this has been a really good thing. And I think it's just going to get better because we're seeing actually voting accelerating, which is great, right? Mm -hmm. There's nothing we like more at Asia Tech Podcast than a healthy competition. And we're seeing a really healthy competition for people here. And that's awesome, no? Yeah, we're all, I mean, everybody's a winner as a result of the competition, right? Because we, you know, it's not just the only one person who is, you know, an award winner. I think it's about who are the, who is that complete list, right? Everybody in there is responsible for adding something to the ecosystem, right? Yeah, absolutely. Think, you know, you, you were right there, Michael, when you said that often these people are so busy deep in the trenches that they don't have time to promote themselves. And often, no. you know, when they're really good at what they do, they're, their own networks become their promotion, right? So, yep. you know, the word of mouth ends up filling their pipelines with people coming through the door who need their help, right? So they're not saying, thinking, okay, I need to get out there to a wider market of people because right here in my city, you know, everything is just kind of like loaded to the brim, right? So with these guys, that's a real, you know, an issue because ultimately they need to get their name out there because I think the ecosystem benefits, right? You know, when we find sure. out about people like William Balbean, yep. that story seeds other people to go, and do similar things, right? Oh, that's possible. I'm inspired to do that. And I think that's kind of, you know, going back to the whole stories things. And you said at the beginning, this is giving people a voice. That's what we want to do. The power of sharing stories. It's the stories that get people to make change, isn't it? It would be somebody it listening is. to that William Bell Bean story would think, yeah, you know, maybe some young kid graduating, right? That's what I want to do. That would be the inspiration for them to go and do something amazing as well. Right, and we can talk about this later, right? But I spoke to somebody today, this guy, Mukesh Bubna, and we'll go into it more later. But we spend most of our time talking about like the story and the progression of his career. Hmm. Very little time talking about the individual business, and that's the inspirational part. 
Right. Uh, it's, it's, is when someone does listen to it, somebody who's in high school, someone younger than that listens to it and says, there's a different path out there because if you look at this list of people, these are all, and this gets back to a podcast you and I did a few weeks ago called the com- you know, getting out of your comfort zone, right? Yeah, yeah. That got uh, quite a bit of response from people in the newsletter or on social media. Yeah, I think it, reson- it resonated with a ton of people. And I think if you look at this list of people, some of them are from Asia, some of them live in their home city, most of them don't. And all of them are operating in places where if you'd asked them when they were children, will you be doing X in this place? Yeah. They mostly, they mostly no. would have said, huh? What? So, <laughs> like, uh, first of all, where is that place? Second of all, what is that thing? Exactly. So this is actually yeah. a good to highlight that, I think. Well, I mean, on that note, there's something I want to ask you because I know this is a theme that you like talking about female startup founders, right? And, and we're both of the view that the the mark of success in sharing the stories of female startup founders will will be when we stop talking about female entrepreneurs generally, right? Absolutely. Just, you know, we're Absolutely. not but we're not there yet. And no, nope, we're not. You know, the key is about getting the stories out there. So, on the upside, if we were to look at those thirty, there is a good, healthy bunch of female founders in that list, which is fantastic, a, right? It's a super point. I mean, let's look at it, right? There's Ashley, there's Rena, there's Christine, there's Zoe, there's, I'm going down, there's Angela, yep. um, there's Grace, there's Lisa. It just goes on and on. There's Helen. It just goes on and on. It's, and it's awesome. They aren't enough. Yeah. But, but think about this, too. We've interviewed so many female founders over the past few months that you did that sort of amalgamation, right, of what, 10 yeah. female founders in Asia that are inspiring? That's been one of our most listened to and one of our most shared sort of compilations. Yeah. And I'm very proud of that, actually. Okay, just putting the uh, devil's advocate opinion across here. But but none of them are in the top five. What's going on, Michael? Early days? or I think it's early days, so that's another point that I was going to make. It's yeah. only Octo- October 24th. Right, right. So we've got another Do I have that right? Yeah, Is that yeah. the right date? Yeah, I mean, by the time we publish this, it'll be a couple of days later. But it's October twenty fourth, and there are you know thirty one days in October, and then there's all of November, and we'll do this until the end of December. So we've got another nine, almost ten weeks left, almost nine weeks, almost ten weeks left yeah. for people to vote. And I think as people see, this is the great thing, right? And we've seen this in the next category that we have is what's the best startup city, mm. right? There is a massive competition yeah. going on between oh, wow. the proponents. This of is the neck and neck. Kong. This is awesome. It is. It, it is, and it has been since the 50s. I don't mean the 1950s. I mean since the... Yeah, yeah. Um, it's Singapore maybe versus right. Hong Kong all the way. Hey, but you know what? I don't want to write off Shanghai because Shanghai is hanging there number three, just diligently banging out the votes with you yep. know, 13% of the votes. I mean, oh, by the way, just before we talk about it, let's talk about the numbers here. I mean, this is going to change. By the time, if you're listening to this and you go to asiatechpodcast.com slash rankings... And you go and check out the votes. As of when we're doing this recording, there's been 685 people vote, right? Uh, just under 1,000 votes cast. So 685 people. That will increase. So that gives you a sense of the validity of the vote. It's not just 100 people that we've asked, right? It's, it's no, got, you no know, most of these people we don't know. It's going to be no near 1,000. So on the city votes, we've had just under 500 votes, right? Shanghai, yeah, and that's accelerating. Yeah, yeah, it's the, it's the whole Singapore, Hong Kong thing. So between those two guys, they're forty percent of the votes. What do you think of that? Wow. Do you think that's is that fair? No, I don't think it's fair. Actually, I don't think it's great. And I think that if you look at 
I think the city votes are starting to mirror what's happening in the in the individual votes, right? You're seeing mm-hmm. Shanghai come on strong, Shenzhen, Kuala Lumpur, Bangkok's hanging to 27, but I would have expected way more people from the most populous country in Southeast Asia, which is Indonesia, yeah, to jump on? in and get Jakarta, Jakarta higher. Jakarta is not even in the top five. Yeah, I would ask the people in Jakarta, "What are you doing? What are they doing? <laughs> Maybe they're just kind of waiting. They're biding their time, right? Maybe." They, Momentum. It's all about momentum here. You know what? Last week, I asked you and you asked me what our choices were for the best startup cities. And it's just kind of interesting. I don't want to gloat. <laughs> yes, you do. I knew you were going to bring this up. <laughs> but if anybody listened to last week's episode, they would know. ATP you 400. said Singapore, Hong Kong, and Shanghai, didn't you? No, I said Singapore, Hong Kong, and Fukuoka. Fukuoka, okay. Right. But Fukuoka was my wild card I threw into the room. Yeah, right? yeah that was fair enough. That was but a you're killing Singapore and Hong Kong. Singapore thing. and Hong Kong, because, you know, I said I my, my criteria were different to yours. My criteria is I wanted to choose, like, stable cities, which, you know, living, you know, everything was basically checked in terms of the boxes for, you know, your lifestyle criteria and so on. So Singapore and Hong Kong would develop. They're number one and number two. However, Michael, your choices, you're not even in the top five. You picked Bangkok, Jakarta, and I can't remember your third one. Singapore was my third one. Oh, is it? Yeah, so don't tell me. Is it? I want the listeners to back that up. I'm pretty sure. You should go back back and listen, but I'm pretty sure it was Singapore. I think you picked Saigon. No, I didn't. Did I? Yeah, I think you did. Did I? Only ten. What's going on? Saigon, ten votes. Yeah, come on, people in Ho Chi Minh. What are you doing? Right. Really, only ten of you are are voting. Yeah. I talk to people in Saigon all the time. Bobby Liu, you're out there. You can hear me. Only ten. Only ten votes. And Saigon is a. It's a. Um. It's a metaphor for the rest of the country, right? Yeah. It's a proxy for the rest of the country. So if you really believe that Saigon is a great city to have a startup in, you should be voting more. And I would say the same thing for all of you people in Bangkok, yeah. everybody who works at a co-working space, everybody who does a startup, everybody who's at an accelerator. If you're in Bangkok, you're getting blown away by Singapore and Hong Kong, and, and you know you're at least on par. So you should get out and vote. I mean, I'm not stomping for any particular city, but everybody knows that I live there, and I think Bangkok is a great city for startups. So you're stomping for the city? <laughs> a little bit. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, can't, yeah. Can't. You're talking a position. Hey, you know what? But I think that there's a real reason for this because it's, okay, well, it's a bit of fun, but you know, there's a real serious reason because somebody's going to ask at some point, you know, yep. okay, what's the best city to start up my business in Asia? And somebody's going to say, well, it's, Singapore or it's Hong Kong or it's Bangkok, whoever won the vote, you know, that's credibility because now that will be out there in public opinion, right? So there's a real reason for that. So if you're in a city, you want to make sure that people know that's a good option, right? Because if you get more startups in your city, it all benefits everybody, right? It might not just be more startups. It might be more angel investors, more events. People are going to look at that and say, well, okay, if that's what the community decides, then I think that will be a good city to go to, right? Yeah, and I think actually we didn't because we didn't assign individual values to the components of what makes a great startup city. We really just asked a question. Yeah. What's your favorite? St- what's the best startup city? We did give some criteria, right? You know, connectivity, lifestyle, cost effectiveness, and stuff like that. But we didn't assign any weighting to them. And we can people can argue with us as to whether that matters or not. But the reality is that people are going to make that decision on their own. Mm. And the fact that Singapore, I mean, it's not that far away from Hong Kong. And to be fair, Shanghai has been coming on, but really Singapore and Hong Kong are the two top ones. And I cannot wait to see how this plays out. But again, like Bangalore, yeah. deep tech there, right? Yeah. Where is Mumbai? 
not even on the list. That needs to be nominated. What do you think, right, now, Michael, the, of, of go ahead. Taipei? Because we haven't talked about Taipei. We haven't interviewed anybody from Taipei yet, I think, on Asia Tech Podcast Stories. But there it is, just sitting nicely at, what, number eight in the list with 4% of the votes behind Jakarta, head of Beijing. It's and just above turned Tokyo. Up. Yeah, right. It's just turned up. We haven't really given it much consideration, but that just goes to show, doesn't it? That's the power. Well, if you believe yeah. in it, vote for it. Well, so here's the thing, though. James Riney, right? You're sitting there in Tokyo. You're working for 500 startups. We'll get to 500 in a second because yeah. clearly people are voting for 500 as one of the best venture capitalists in Asia. But Tokyo only has 12 votes. Like, why isn't Tokyo closer to the top? Why is it not more than 50 votes? How come it's not yeah. above Shanghai? It's just interesting the way people perceive this, right? Yeah, 12 out of 500, yeah? So it's not like 12 out of a small sample set. It's 12 out no, of 500. No, no, the sample sets we're getting are great, right? Yeah. And, it, it, you know, it, that amazes me because there's a big expat community in Tokyo. So you can't blame on the fact, well, this is not in English. And, and also, I mean, this is a startup world, right, where English is the default language. So, yeah, but know. still, let, let's move on for a second because this will be indicative, right? So 500 startups, Global Brain. I know DNA is based in Singapore, but still it's a Japanese company. East Ventures, which is based in Tokyo, Batara Eto and his team, right? I know Fresco Capital has people in, in Tokyo. Allison, I'm talking to you. Um, like, What's happening? Right. You, if you guys are based there, you must think it's a great city for startups. You should be, you know, and 500 sits at the top of the list. Now, 500 benefits... Right, well so this is award number that, three, just let people know. Yeah, so best VC yeah, fund so in Asia, right? Best VC fund in Asia, right? And 500 startups is at the top, but not that far away from SOSV, which is, a, which is an amalgamation of ventures, right, that's based in China. Golden Gate, which had the top spot for two weeks in a row, and then Sequoia and Global Brain kind of round out the top five. But like 500 benefits from the fact that it's in Malaysia, it's in Thailand, it's in Japan, it's yeah. in Korea, it's in Singapore – and yeah, the global footprint for there. And to be fair, we've talked about this before. If the 500 team is good at anything, they're great at marketing. Right. So does that validate right. or invalidate the, the vote? Are you saying, well, well, this is maybe the best known? Don't does know, because it... remember, no one's forced to vote, right? In other right. words, you cannot twist somebody's arm and force them to right. vote for something. But 59 out of the you know hundreds of people that have voted said that they're the best venture capitalist. And I have to believe... Hmm. that that's coming from their portfolio companies because they don't employ 59 people in the region. And it would be interesting to note as to whether, and we don't know, right, who's voting for whom. We have no way of knowing, actually. But it would be interesting to know whether anybody from the 500 team globally is voting for them in Asia. Now, we do know. Here's the other interesting thing. If you look at the breakdown, right, and this has changed a lot over the last few weeks. I, I don't know if we should talk about this, but I just want to throw this out there a little bit. If you look at the breakdown, okay, of where people listen hmm. to this podcast, if you had looked weeks ago, it would have been Thailand would have been the top and then the United States would have been second. And now if you look at the one, two, three, four, top five, it's like China, United States, Singapore, Hong Kong, Thailand, and then you go into Canada, Japan, Malaysia. Ireland, the UK, like mm. I could go down the list, but it's literally every country in the world. And what that means is that maybe 500 is benefiting from the distribution of their team yeah. over the whole world and not just over the whole region. But again, we don't know that, right? Right, right. Because we don't know who's voting for whom. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, only the system knows to keep a record of this, right? And it's all verified by LinkedIn. So this is the, I mean, that was a key decision we made earlier on is that we could make it an open vote, but that was so open to gaming and, you know, people double voting or, you know, getting their... Or bulk voting or like yeah, having exactly. their mother vote and stuff. It's not, not worth it. So we said that you could only vote if you had a LinkedIn profile. So you would have to go to the page asiatechpodcast.com slash rankings and log in with LinkedIn, which is just the social login. But that would validate it. And I think in a way that kind of validates the whole vote because that makes it more valid than somebody submitting a name and an email address. Because, you know, this is a business. Could be anybody. Yeah, it's a business poll, yeah. right? So if they don't have a LinkedIn profile, that kind of eliminates a vast majority of spam and time wasters, right? Yeah. So do you want to just run through a few more of these? Let's run through all the categories, right? Yeah. Yeah. And again, and again, let's just go. Let's just run back for a second. When we first started the the poll a few weeks ago, or the awards a few weeks ago, you know, we only had a few VCs here because we didn't want to even give a hint to people. We didn't want to game this from our side and say these are the ones that right, we think right. are important. And yet, you know, there are one, two, three, four. There are twenty names here. Yeah. And ones, you know, some from Japan, Infinity Ventures, East Ventures, there's Jungle that's based in Singapore but does a lot of investing outside of the region, Global Brain, Sequoia. So some names you've heard of, some names you haven't, Alpha Cap, Spark Labs, like it's just so well represented. Mm. And that's good, I think. It's a good sign for the region too that there's a lot of participation in this space by a bunch of different style of venture capitals. That, that can't be a bad thing. Yeah. And the goal here, I mean, as we set out, is to give a platform for people to share their voice. So as you say, you know, most people are so busy doing this stuff, they don't know about these funds. These funds are just busy doing their thing, apart from the ones which are the obvious self-promoters. But it's right. great. And, you know, and, if, if you could, if you could identify 100 VC funds in Asia, people wouldn't even know four or five. Yeah, fair enough, right? People ask me all the time, who are the top five? Right. Right, but there's a there's a long tail out there of venture capitalists and yeah. investors that are really powerful and, and really great investors actually. That this list will change over time for sure as this as the um the ecosystem matures regionally. Um and that's a good thing too. So best but I want, I want to, Yeah, go on. Go ahead. You're, you're, I just want to make a comment on Taipei. Yeah. Because I on. think you make a really good point. And I know that's back to the previous category. Um but Taipei ha is 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 in an interesting space, right? Because it's kind of part of China, kind of not part of China. We can argue about that until we're blue in the face, but that's politics, right? Um, but it's a Mandarin-speaking country. It's got a huge electronic manufacturing base. A lot of that manufacturing yeah. now is moving into China. It's got a burgeoning solar um, power system that's that's building there. And there's a lot of technical talent there. The question is, who's funding it? So is the ecosystem there that's appropriate to, to fund the whole system as well, right? So are there... The, no, the proper number of co-working spaces, are there the number of angel investors, <clears throat> is there enough, you know, because bandwidth shouldn't be a problem, but does the whole ecosystem exist there? It'll be interesting to see how the vote plays out over time to see, because most of the votes for Taipei are probably going to come from Taipei, whereas some of the Singapore votes are going to come yeah. from people that aren't Singaporean but live in Singapore. Yeah. Interesting to see how, I think we've got all the cities covered though, huh? Do you think, I don't think there's any more, well, surprises, yeah, I, right? I, I mean, you know. I, I don't think so. I mean, even we've got Dongguan, <laughs> Hangzhou, Huzhou in China. You know, people are throwing them up there because they're there and they're doing things. Yeah. And that's really super. Yeah, it's all good. That's really super. And the list kind of looks like 
It has all the cities on it that you would have expected. I kind of would have thought Manila would be slightly higher, mm. have a little bit of participation, right? The fifth largest English-speaking country in the world, and a lot of startups there, a lot of funding, a good ecosystem. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out over the next eight or nine weeks as well. Yeah, that's all to come. You want to talk about startup events? Just go through some of the other categories, because this is really interesting. With Really interesting. Dollars. Rise is far and away the best. Yeah, it's killing it. It's best crushing it. But that's Casey's team. He's doing such a great job that he deserves that. He's, right? he's, he's winning in two places, really. Yeah. Um, but you, it would make sense, right? I mean, Tech in Asia runs really fabulous events, but there are 2,000 people there. Rise runs part of a global team, the Web Summit team. And I wasn't at the conference. We talked about this, but I think there were somewhere between fifteen and 20,000 people in there. And that's just people that paid to go to the conference. Who knows how many sort of hangers-on there were around the conference as well, right? People that didn't pay but went um, and slush. So you would expect these three names to be yeah. the biggest events. And then the others just kind of rounded out by people you would expect. But then there's Startup Salad, yeah. which is great. Singapore FinTech Festival, which has actually not even happened yet. It's coming up in November, which is great. Um, Meet the Maker, which I had not heard of. Meet Taipei. Yeah. And TechCrunch China runs events. I think the TechNode team runs those. And then Innovest Unbound, which I have heard of. It's a very good event, but maybe it's just not so large. So the question is, is there a concept of a really great event but just isn't so big, right? Because you and I talk about this all the time. What's the optimal size Hmm. to get the most done, depending on what you want to get done at an event in Asia? What is it? Is it 15,000 people or is it... 40 people. Yeah. I think this, this will balance itself out on this vote for the best startup event because I think, you know, even the big events, they're well known. They have the brand name. They have thousands of people on their database. Even if people go to them and they deliver a bad experience, that doesn't guarantee them votes or even an average experience doesn't guarantee votes. Whereas a smaller event with 100 people who are passionate about that event could easily win that vote. Because it's not just them, it's their network that have heard about it and so on. So I don't think size is necessarily going to win this. But, you know, it, the one at the top of the list is going to be the best event. I think that's it. Not necessarily the best known event. So I think that's, yeah, could you be. Know, that's how it's going to work out. I mean, Rise is there. It happens to be one of the biggest events. But from all early feedback, it seems to be the one with the best, you know, the best word of mouth as well. Yeah, and again, there seems to be some really interesting like voting patterns, right? So the Naked Hub in Shanghai is voted the best co-working space, yeah. and Hubud is is second best, and yet Bali itself doesn't show up as a great place yeah. for a startup city. Exactly. Yeah, and that- Jakarta's lagging, lagging what I would have expected to be um, a high voting place. But look at this: so you have the Hive and Launchpad, two of the top five are in Bangkok. Hmm. Right, isn't that awesome? And then the other, yeah, it's super for me. It's awesome, right? Just, is places, we work in fabulous. Bangkok as well? Are they just in Singapore. We work. I don't. I don't know. I do know. I mean, isn't we work the company that is like global expanding? It's like a ten billion dollar company. Yeah. Is am yeah. I? Do I have that wrong? Yeah, that, that's the one. They're the one that acquired the guys in Singapore. Who, uh, Mister T, who showed Mr. up on all this. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, if I get the names wrong, but I'm just dealing with so many names in my head at the moment. Mister T, who was acquired Got by it. We Work, right? In Singapore, I right? Yeah, yeah. So I I don't know where that vote is coming from, but that puts that in the top five. Yeah. But interestingly, Launchpad, you know, that's Vincent's company, and the Hive, 
um, which is on Soy 49, close here, close by here, but also has a couple of outlets in Hong Kong as well, is yeah. in the top five of that vote, which is great. I like both of those places. I kept an office at the Hive for almost two years. Right. Um, 18 months. But it's a super place and a super location, and that makes me happy. But there are other places I've never even heard of, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's like a lot Garage of co-working. Society, yeah. Exno, Dreamplex. Yeah, it's good. And and I think there will be more. I think when we do this vote again next year, there will be more co-working yeah. spaces because there's a big business to do there. And I don't think anybody's won that yet, to be fair. And I know that WeWork is well-funded and stuff, but I still don't think that anybody's won that space yet. Yeah. And if you go back to my tip, my back for that Best Co-working Space Award number five was Hubert in Ubud in Bali. Yep. I mean, that has done so well. I know it probably won't win because it doesn't have the mass that maybe a, a launch pad or a hive or Naked Up has. But, you know, to your point about, you know, next year there's going to be more, I think people will see examples like Hubert and say, okay, so what's going on in Hubert, in Ubud, you know, why is that getting so many votes when Bali doesn't even feature on the, you know, best cities, whether it's Denpasar or Ubud, right? So people will be curious about that. What's going on? What are they doing right? And that will then become the story gets shared out there, which gives people, a, you know, like a, a model to work with. Is this something we could do in another city? You know, that, that yeah, success, I, yep. you know, success replicates itself across the region because people copy it or these co-working spaces expand, right? Yeah, and I think there's a lifestyle choice that people are making in Ubud. I mean, I haven't been there in a while, but it's been featured on the news, right? Yeah, so yeah. CNBC or whoever it is, um, you know, all the financial networks are featuring it because there are plenty of people that say, I'm not going to live in New York anymore. I'm going to go to Bali. And if I'm in Bali, I might as well live in the mountains there because it's beautiful. And they, everyone wants to work looking at a rice paddy. Yeah, exactly. So that is cool. I mean, that's a good example of how even if you're not the biggest co-working space or VC fund or event, you could win a vote just by having people passionate about what you do and creating a great experience, isn't it? Because I think yeah. maybe what happened with the the co-working space vote is lots of people vote for the co-working space they use regularly. That could for be sure. Naked Hub sure. or Launchpad. But they also are very fond of Hubbard because they've experienced it once and they went down there and that's got to get one of their votes as well. Yeah, and, and again, I'm happy that it's there. Even if it drops out of the top five, I'm happy that it's there for a few weeks. Again, just to highlight the fact that it actually exists, that it does a great job, and the people that have been there love it. Yeah. You want to talk about best startup media? <laughs> I do. Um, oh, by the way, just, you know, I'm really flattered. We got nominated for this. We had to delete our nomination, so no offense to the person who did nominate us originally. Right, thank you, but... Thank you, but it, yeah, exactly. It's just going to be open to abuse. You know, we would be yeah. telling people vote for us, but you know, yeah, we want to have kind of, that conflict yeah, of interest. Exactly, too much of a conflict of interest. And I know some so people have said to us as well. Th this is the other thing, Michael. Some people have said to us they've been voting for Tech in Asia, thinking it's us. Did they really? <laughs> Did they really? That's awesome. Yeah, it's so possible. It is possible because Asia Tech Podcast, Tech in Asia. There will, maybe there's a little bit of confusion, but just to clarify, we're nothing to do with them. We love what they do, but do we're not the same? No, no. And you know, we've taken a different tack to this, but yeah, fair enough. Um, that's a great. It's a great publication. They're in front by more than double. So if you yeah. like the other. 
media companies, whether it's Startup HK, China Startup Pulse, Techno D27, uh, Tim Romero's up there. What yeah. is the number six? Yeah. One, two, Did three, well, four, right. five, six. Tim, good job. Um, we interviewed Tim as well, didn't we? Yeah, yeah exactly. And Bernard. Yep. Analyzation. So Bernard, good. Jay Kim's making some progress. Jay Kim is, is hanging in there. Good on you, Jay. So what do you think about, I mean, just that interesting comparison, Tech in Asia and E27, they're the big rivals, are they not in Asia? Just how those votes have separated out, that Tech in Asia is really taking the lead there. Do you think that's kind of indicative of the size of these companies? Yeah, again, we like to remove conflicts of interest. So, you know, Arden Capital, where I was an investor, is a small um, stakeholder in the parent company of E27, so with that knowledge, I just think that, and if you look at the statistics from a fundraising standpoint, Tech in Asia has been able to raise more money than the 27 team. So I think the market's telling you something about it. And I think the voting is kind of corroborating what the investment market has told you for if that's like the politically correct thing to say. And that is, you know, it has almost three times as many votes. Yeah. So 92 as it stands right now to 33, and I think that that is indicative of the way the market looks at it. And you know, both of them do things really, really well. We saw Technode make a giant jump, right? Yeah. Um, in the past week, but for for my money as well, like, yeah, I'd like to see those votes, you know, different. But the market is voting, and they're voting with their feet, and they've been doing that for the past two or three years. So I think that that is indicative of sort of status and stature in the market as it stands today. Um, and that could change over time, right? Because each one of these companies is taking a different tack to building their own media business in the region. And it'll just be interesting to see how that plays out over time. Mm. But what is interesting is that if you look down the list, you have one, two, three, four, at least maybe five, six podcasts there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so go, go podcasting. I, I like it. We like it. Um and who are the podcasts? Let's give them a shout out just so they know. So who are they? They are Disrupt Analyze I mean Disrupt Japan with Tim, Analyze Asia with Bernard Leong. We've interviewed him. Um yep. no we haven't, but we've been interviewed by him. He's, he's on our show to be interviewed as well, right? So. Yeah, I think this week or next week, I can't remember when. Jay Kim yep. has something called um what Jay do they Kim say? Show? The eponymous show? The Jay Kim show. So it's in yep. the name, as we like to say. Yeah. <laughs> um actually, Galena yeah. actually talks China, more actually of a YouTube channel as well, but but still media. Yeah. Um, China Tech Talk has to be some kind of video or audio media, but I'm not familiar. And I think BeFast TV too. Um, what does Odd Up do? You were talking about that. Doesn't Odd James Jankotti? Odd, Odd Up was uh, yeah. I mean, they they provide yeah. yep. ratings for startups. statistics and ratings yeah. for startups. Yeah. Yep, which is again an interesting take at the media yep. for that style of business. Um, and then there's Jumpstart, which I haven't heard of. But the podcast are those, I believe. So Audap's not in, Audap's not in that category. And anything that has .TV next to it has to be either visual or audio media yeah. as well. And there may be others out um, there as well. It, yeah. And here's but the again, thing. Right? You know what else is interesting? I, I don't know what the numbers were when I said 30 minutes ago at the top of the, the hour when we did the podcast, how many people had voted for us and – but just to update you, if you're listening to this podcast, you can maybe go back and have a listen to what the numbers were. In the 30 minutes that we've been talking, we're now on 878 votes and 691 voters on the individual contribution. So I think that means there's about five people have voted in the last 30 minutes, five or six, right? 
Something like that. Yeah, so, I mean, it's pretty frenetic, the pace. Because it's 24 hours, because it's not just, yeah, you know, one country voting. No, I mean, <laughs> this is like the one time in my life where I like going to sleep because the fun of waking up in the morning and yeah. checking how the numbers have changed. <laughs> it's just neat. I wake up at 5 o'clock, 5.30 in the morning, I jump out of bed, and the first thing is I, I do is I want to see how the vote's going. And people globally are not disappointing. And I think that's one of the things that, it's been happening over the past couple of weeks is that there's been global voting going on and that's really awesome yeah yeah because everyone's got a vested interest in asia right it's not just about asians for you know asia for asians you know this is going to impact everything it is and actually for the not for the first time but the first time in my memory one of my favorite bloggers posted a story today that said i want to find it so just bear with me while i do this i know this is really bad podcasting but it is what it is um, Singapore to stop adding cars to its city from February 2018. And anybody who knows me knows that I read The Daring Fireball by John Gruber. And this is one of his first stories in a long time to focus on a specific city in a specific country in tech and leaving some commentary on his link, link blog. His, his commentary on this was basically if you don't already own a car in Singapore and if you want one, I'm going to clean this up for, cause for the family audience, but you're out of luck. Right. With the rise of ride sharing, though, maybe that's not a problem. And I think to a certain extent he's right. Singapore is going to be – we talked about this almost a year ago. When autonomous vehicles come mm. to Asia, they're probably going to come to Singapore first, and they already have. Yep. So but what's, but what's fascinating to me is that for anybody out here who's <clears throat> in the startup scene, who does technology, who invests money, or who does media in Asia, the world is starting to pay attention. Yeah. And that's for sure for all of us, I think. So uh, we're getting our act together, and I think this is the key part of it, isn't it? Just getting the act together. I mean, everybody knows that places like the Bay Area, or you know, maybe Tel Aviv or London, maybe one of the German cities, has you know a, a large presence in the startup scene. You know, if it's purely tech startups, it's Bay Area. If it's you know maybe fintech. People talk about London or have been talking about that stuff until now, right? And one of the reasons is is these cities, they have that act together. The ecosystems have been around a lot longer. So they have an established media base. They have established events. They all know each other, right? Yep. And importantly, they know all the stories. I mean, if you go to the you know Silicon Valley, everybody knows Hewlett and Packard, right? Everybody knows Xerox Park and all these kind of legacy stories that have grown that. But here in Asia, we're starting with greenfield sites right and i think this is what we're trying to do is get the act together help get those stories out there because then that helps us sell that story to the world and put asia in its rightful place well because the context has already been set up yeah so when someone says grab taxi or red mart or some company you don't have to start explaining where Singapore is to begin with because they understand the context. Yeah. They, don't have to, they don't have to ask the question as to whether there's 650, 660 million people in Southeast Asia and 270 million of them are in, um, are in Indonesia. They don't have to figure out that Jakarta is a gigantic city, that Manila is awesome, mm. you know, that Tokyo is joining this tech startup scene in Asia. Like, they don't have to ask anymore because the media is out there explaining that to them. So when a company from Asia becomes known they'll just think oh i wonder if they've expanded to jakarta yet Hmm. right so now we're we're helping create that context and that's actually really important right so we should talk a little bit about some of the verticals that we've done already and maybe some of the verticals where we're expanding because again 
it's the platform that's giving more information and giving a voice to more people to be able to tell their story and why they're in the startup place. But so the rest of the world, and this has always been the goal, right, can understand the context of what's going on here. So do you want to – so let's talk about crypto first. ATP yep. Crypto so far has been very successful. We've had some really incredible guests. Um, that launches we this great, week. That is yep. up and going. So it's asiatechpodcast.com slash crypto. Slash crypto, right? So that's going to be a great vertical. We talked a little bit about it last week, but now we're launching, and that's going to be great. I think we actually did do the first launch, right? Yeah. It was Edmund Lowell got launched yep, today, out. I yep. believe. That's going to be out. And we had a great conversation today with um, Jamie Skella. And that was important for a bunch of different reasons, Graham, if you don't mind me saying that. But that's going to come out probably right on schedule. That's going to be the next one, I believe, yeah? Mm-hmm. And – you know, Jamie's approaching this from a bunch of different places, but if you think that the blockchain um, provides the democratization of technology, then Horizon State is something that Jamie runs that should be really interesting to you because Horizon State uses the blockchain to enhance democracy and voting. So it is pure, it is pure blockchain. It's the reason why that type of technology exists. And I just thought that conversation today was interesting. And launching crypto just made that conversation possible. Wow. Right? Potential. Yeah. Really cool. Really yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, That's interesting, isn't and, it? Because it, it's more yeah. than just, right, here's a payment mechanism. Yeah, because, look, people understand Bitcoin, and, and that's really interesting. But using the blockchain, we always say that there are other potential uses for it. And Jamie's found a great use for it. And, again, mm-hmm. just to get a little bit more into the detail – you know, if you think about the way voting take place, takes place in most countries, there are parties, there are people, and there are issues. And the whole concept is that instead of voting for a party where you may agree with 60% of the stuff that they do, or with a person where you may agree with 70%, you get to vote for policies. Yeah. In some cases, yeah, that's going to start. And that's not exactly what Horizon State's going to do, but there is a company called My Vote that does that. But the whole idea is that you can use the blockchain to vote because it has trust, it's immutable, it's unchangeable. Anyway, there's just some really interesting stuff going on in the voting space. But this is where the blockchain comes in really handy. <clears throat> and this is where having a podcast like ATP Crypto means we can highlight some of the other uses for the blockchain other than just currencies. And currencies are fascinating. We'll have plenty of discussions about it. ICOs, currency, cryptocurrencies, but there are plenty of other platforms out there too. And hopefully at some point we'll get to talk about smart tokens as well. And we're working on that as, as a possible channel. But there's a whole bunch of stuff going on in that space. And maybe you want to talk a little bit about something else that we're launching, which is artificial intelligence or AI. Yeah, coming up. So this is a big pet subject for me. Anybody that I've interviewed for the AI show will know, as I rightfully remind them, that I was an AI graduate in 1995. <laughs> wow. So, so in the days when AI just wasn't a thing, long before it was a thing, I was doing AI. So, I mean, I've followed the, the area with interest for many, many years. And so something I'm passionate about, I haven't just jumped on the bandwagon because it's cool. Well, but there's no problem with that, obviously, because, you know, there's a lot of applications for AI that need a lot of people to help make them work. I'm interested, you know, in, in how things have developed. And also, I, you know, one thing that I'm really fascinated by at AI, Michael, is that, you know, there is a lot of hype surrounding it. But you know, the reason why it hasn't really had its chance is just we haven't had the computational power to make all of this work, right? And we haven't had the, the right. business models. And to a certain extent, we've needed people like Google and Facebook, Amazon to come along and push it over the line. But now right. we're in that era now. And, you know, 
the challenge with a lot of these technologies is is getting acceptance because people are scared of things. People, you know, oh, I'm not sure if I can use that, but you know, we're here with AI. So in a way, you know, that combined with this, you know, this amazing dynamic ecosystem called Asia, you know, AI just becomes a very interesting proposition because you have, you know, you have markets of billions and that's where AI yeah. becomes fascinating because, you know, you can, you can be involved in projects which scale to the kind of levels we, we've never seen, you know, and add to that as well. You know, when you talk about what's happening in China or Singapore with things like autonomous vehicles, you have legislators which are very open to making things work, right, and putting technology into practice. So AI will right. be a core component of that, just as it will be for crypto, I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, these have these have um, sort of multi-vertical uses, right? These are not just segmented and separate technologies. They're going to be used in every vertical, right? So AI is useful in health tech, med tech, you know, education technology, um, service businesses, fintech. They're all going to have some component that has artificial intelligence in it, and that's why the space is so good. And interestingly enough, the first um, – the first – release so the first introduction for this will be with an accelerator program we'll get to what that is when it when it gets released but that's the base it's going to be the basis for the development of this throughout the region and throughout yeah. the world and that is accelerating the companies that are doing a really good job in the ai space yeah yeah it's exciting times i'm just you know there's so much coming through not just in asia but in terms of what we're doing with the podcast the media and just going into these verticals as well we've already got atp angels up up and running, which is a, a specific show for angel investors, about angel investors, the kind of things they're involved in, the challenges, the lessons learned. We've got ATP yep. Crypto, which is launching this week, as you said, Michael, you're doing that one. We've got ATP AI coming out in a couple of weeks. So more of it. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be more. I don't know if we should share at this stage because otherwise it's just an overload, isn't it? But if you want to find out more of it, go to the homepage and you'll see all the podcasts listed out there. So there's about six podcasts at the moment that we're working on. So you'll find something specific for your interests. Yeah, and let's just say we're not done yet, right? And for anybody that knows both of us, um, they know that there are other verticals that we wanted to enter. And when we do announce them, you won't be surprised. But one of the things we don't like to do is announce things that we haven't sort of perfected and honed the story on yet. So we'll get there, but you won't be surprised when the next few things get announced as well. Yeah, what's the space? I mean, obviously, we got the the voting. The big focus at the moment for the next couple of months is the voting on the awards. That's asiatechpodcast.com slash rankings. We have the new podcasts coming out, which you can find on the homepage, new iTunes feeds as well. And we're on a quest as well, which we'll announce over the coming weeks to be the first AI-powered, blockchain-enabled podcast Podcasts. in the world. <clears throat> yeah, and, and to be fair, that's the whole network, right, of us. So there's there are going to be some interesting things coming in the podcast network that we're building. And yeah, a lot of it's going to be AI-driven, and it's going to be blockchain-enabled. So you'll see what happens there, too. But um, we'll get to that. And look, I want to end today with the way we started this podcast months ago with something that I used to call, that's a big surprise. Yeah, what do you got? Okay. Well, I didn't tell you about this, but I want to loop back to something we talked about. So you, you and I spent, or I spent a lot of time can we call it ranting? I thought it was more intellectual conversation, but people said it was ranting about, you know, prepared food delivery oh, or just <laughs> food delivery and how it just... Are we well, doing we that again? What is it with you and food delivery? You don't because like these guys. You don't give them any kind about, 
You give them a short no, shrift. <laughs> You're too hard. It's better than it's better than giving them a Peter shift. But I mean, it's the same thing, and <laughs> that's a little bit of an inside joke. But but let's just say this: is that there are high flying companies. Okay, we can go all the way yeah. back to you know Webvan and see just a billion dollars vanish into obscurity. But we come back to 2015, 16, and 17, and then there's you know this new panacea of technology has changed, delivery has changed, last mile has changed, and now it's okay to you know, drive food around in a truck and then we'll only have six things on the menu. We'll deliver that. That company's gone since we did our first podcast about food delivery. Mm. Um, I forget its name, but even if the name is that forgettable, then it couldn't have mattered that much. But Blue Apron is a company that is probably, uh, you know, a, a ubiquitous sponsor of all podcasts in the United States. So we love the fact that they spend money to promote and we particularly love the fact that they spend money to promote on podcasts. Um, and after doing an IPO, which I think was ridiculously ill-advised, and we talked about it. Remember, one of the things about recording media like we do is that everything we say is on the public record, and we don't erase it. We don't take it down. We think about things before we speak, and we talked a lot about Blue Apron as just a bad business model. Yeah. And I think I posted something on our blog about this as well. And I just want to say, you know, sarcastically, it's not a big surprise to find out last week that Blue Apron was laying off hundreds of employees. And, you know, they'll tell you that they figured out, yeah, I don't like it when anybody loses their job. Okay. That's not the point. As a matter of fact, I hate it. And, you know, during the financial crisis of 2007 and 2008, I saw a lot of people lose their job and a lot of really great people who had nothing to do with why the financial system was crumbling. And yet there they were, you know, getting handed a pink slip and, you know, getting asked to leave their desk. So I don't like this at all. Mm. But I think it's incumbent upon those of us who talk about this to follow up on things that we've gotten right and wrong and just say, I just still think this is wrong. And I think when an IPO, you know, because there's been a lot of talk recently about, you know, isn't I, are these ICOs scams? You know, they're not regulated by the SEC or the HKMA or the, you know, the MAS. And yet IPOs are deeply regulated and companies have to file a whole bunch of documentation around this. And whoever filed the documents for Blue Apron must have known that it was bleeding capital. There was just bleeding money, that it was losing money, you know, insanely. And yet there was issuing stock and then just watching it get cut in half and then watching them lay off, <clears throat> you know, hundreds of people. And to be fair, unless the business model there changes or unless they figure out a better way to become more efficient, it'll just be interesting to see to me what happens here. But it's not a big surprise that whatever business model they were running is changing because the market for that – in other words, if you're in Manhattan, right, or if you're in Los Angeles or if you're in San Francisco, you don't need Blue Apron because there are tons of sort of delivery food mechanisms already there. And Blue Apron actually adds – a level of complexity that I think is bad, where you have to pre-order. Let's say it's a Tuesday night where you've got food coming from Blue Apron, but Tuesday night your friend shows up from you know from Tokyo, unannounced. Mm. You're not going to invite them over for dinner, but is that food still going to be preparable tomorrow? Maybe tomorrow night you already had dinner plans, which is why you didn't order it for Wednesday, and then Thursday you're going out of town. Like what happens to that food? I think it just adds another level of complexity to people's lives that they don't necessarily need. And even if it doesn't, I just don't think that market's that big. So I just wanted to say to me, and Graham, you don't have to agree with me. Sometimes you don't. But 
it's not a big surprise to me. Not a big that, surprise. Hang on, people. Let us give the let's give the people or people in the food delivery business a right to reply. What's the best way that they can comment? Let us know or rant back. How would you like it? My Twitter would be the most effective way, right? <clears throat> Yep, we always watch the Twitter page. We comment on Twitter. We post things on Twitter. They can also post on our Facebook page, right? Asia Tech Podcast on Facebook. Um, and if you really want to, you know, come direct, just do at Michael Waits. It's fine on Twitter as well. Not yeah. a problem. Twitter is at Asia Tech Pod. And if you're listening to this, subscribe to our newsletter. Anything that we've talked about today, whether it's the, the big surprise or talking about the vertical sectors, the vertical podcast that we're publishing, or the rankings as well, the vote, asiatechpodcast.com slash rankings. Anything that you want to let us know about, if you're a newsletter subscriber, then just hit reply. We pick up every email that lands in our inbox and we reply to them all. So we look forward to your comments and your feedback and your rants as well. We're not afraid to take it on. You know, we're big enough and ugly enough to take a bit of feedback. So feel free to let us know what you think, whether it's, you know, if it's positive or negative, it's all good for us. We want to hear it what is. you want to say. This is Asia yeah, Tech Podcast. My name is Graham Brown. And this is Michael Waits. Yep. We'll be back for more and we'll be up with an update next week on the rankings just to let you know how things are going. So stay tuned and go and check out our vertical uh, crypto angels. And what was the other one now? I forget. AI. AI. Oh, but there's something else. Crypto angels and something else. AI. Oh, anyway, go and check it out on the webpage and go and check out our new podcast and subscribe to us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Graham. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at www.asiatechpodcast.com.